Back in April, for episode three, in the midst of the darkest hour of the COVID-19 pandemic, Sloan Dean, CEO of Remington Hotels and I, talked about leadership in difficult times and his concepts of day zero. We're looking forward is the only way to go. Now, three months later, I checked in with Sloan to see if he thinks that we're still at day zero or if we have moved on and how fast we will reach recovery. Enjoy this episode of Unconstrained Conversations and do not forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast platforms. Back on the uh, Unconstrained Conversation podcast, checking in today is uh, Sloan Dean, CEO of Remington Hotels. Um, hi, Sloan. We uh, talked uh, last in, I guess, April or May, and uh, I thought this would be a perfect opportunity after a couple months of uh, uh, to check in with you and get an update of how things have been going. So how are you? Yeah, I, I think uh, I would describe it as uh, reserved optimism. I think the worst is behind us, but we're definitely in the middle of a marathon. Um, you know, I equate it to my team that we're somewhere, I think, around mile 15, 16, where the legs are getting fatigued, the lungs are starting to burn, and, um, you know, a f few people in the race are starting to walk. Uh, you know, most people quit a marathon at mile 20. Uh, it's the point you're in immense pain and you can't quite see the finish line. And so that feels to me probably around September uh, where some of the leisure travel from the summer starts to burn off. Schools aren't going back to normal. Business travel isn't going to come back. And we're still maybe uh, 60 days from an election and 60 days from a vaccine. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm continuing to be very optimistic that even with the increases in cases in late June and early July, that July rep part was better than June. August is going to be better than July. So while I think the momentum was slowed, uh, you know, with the increasing in cases, it still is, we're still seeing uh, recovery happen, albeit slower. And I think some of the numbers that Marriott and Hyatt a few others shared on their earnings calls in Q2 related to China is uh, very encouraging. And so, yeah. albeit we have more cases than China, if you believe their numbers, um, but we were in the beginning six weeks behind them, six to eight weeks. I don't think we'll be where they are in six to eight weeks, but I do think by uh, November, you know, we're going to see a vaccine. We're then going to have an election and i think that's where you're going to start to see a turning point uh, not only in the, the media quite frankly not to get political but also in improved treatment protocols and probably a vaccine so but yeah. i would say reserved optimism we're half more than halfway through this i think uh but still a long ways to go yeah, I love the analogy about the, the marathon and, and as in any marathon, I've never run a marathon and I'm not planning to, but um, well, I you're understand. Well, you're running now, Klaus, you just didn't realize it. It's, <laughs> it's a, the marathon of life, a.k.a. a pandemic. <laughs> That's very true, very true. But I understand you have some uh, energy boost uh, sessions that you uh, that you get throughout the marathon, right? So you have the different faces, and I love that saying that we're about 12, 15 miles in. Uh, we got another, I got 11 miles to go and, and uh, there's some fatigue. I can definitely see the fatigue setting in across the industry for some people. Uh, 
Um, I, I love the comment about China that you just made. I actually did talk to somebody in China yesterday, and, and she was telling me that some of the resort hotels are 97% occupancy um, in some of the key key leisure destinations. It's all domestic market, obviously, but um, some of the hotels are doing very, very well. Um, yeah. And uh, great comment about the REFPAR improvement versus June and versus May. So you do see a general uptrend. And interesting, just uh, I think on Saturday or Sunday, the, the, we, we broke a new record in the TSA passenger numbers um, in the US with 830 passengers um, traveling through airports, which is the highest since March 17. So, which confirms what you're saying too. So let's hope some of these people stay in, uh, in hotels. Yeah. Yeah, we took, uh, we definitely took the elevator down and we're taking, right. we're taking the stairs back up. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, assuming we get a vaccination, we get a wide distribution of that as well as improved treatment protocols. I think, you know, we could be in a situation where, you know, normally when you're running up a hundred story building, you don't run faster the last 10, 10 stories. But I think we could mm -hmm. experience that, that, um, you know, the recovery could accelerate first half of next year, pending what happens. So I, mm -hmm. I'm, again, reserved optimism. You know, you and I have talked about this concept that I put out there early in the crisis about day zero. And how you have to have that mentality, mindset, expectations in difficult scenarios is everything. And I think um, I really preach that to my team, that it's all about progress, not perfection, getting one more person back to work, getting one more point of occupancy. And, um, you know, I think that's the kind of mindset you have to have. You can't just look out and say, well, my God, when's this going to be over? When are we going to go back to 19? Because it's devastating if you think about that, because it may be three or four or five years. I think we saw day one, late June. Uh, I okay. think we then stepped back to day zero after the increases in cases. And I now think we're, uh, you know, when I'm preaching to my team, we're kind of in day one again. So, you know, sometimes you have to step back to go forward. Um, and I do think that, you know, day, uh, day two and three are going to come in the fall and then you know, quite frankly, I, I think we're going to see an acceleration of recovery as we get into early 21. But, um, right. you know, so I think we are seeing improvement. Unemployment's coming down. And, you know, just in my own organization, I had over 7,000 associates pre-COVID. At the height of the crisis, uh, we only had about 500 people working in the first two weeks of April, which is mm -hmm. just dramatic. I mean, you know, just stats as a CEO, you never even want to fathom. And uh, we're now back up to almost 2,000. So um, I think that's how I measure success, too, is how many people can I get back to work? And, um, you know, it's not as fast as it we'd like, but I think reserved optimism is probably the fitting term. Right. right. That's a great perspective. And how you how do you dealing how are you dealing with I know you're very focused on on people and, and as a leader, you know, you spend an enormous amount of time like any leader should be, you know, making sure that the people are safe and the people are taken care of and your teams are feeling as, as good as they can. Um, any specific kind of uh, viewpoints or recommendations or activities that you feel have worked really well um, as you're as you're leading through a crisis? Yeah, I think um, probably the most, uh, the thing that I've done that has worked the best is we did starting in March, 
we did webcast with video and me. And then I started bringing in my CLO and started bringing in my head of HR in April, twice a week, every week. And it wasn't just for the active associates. It was for all the furloughed associates as well. And we would have webcasts with a couple thousand people on. And it was me giving an update on our hotels, on the crisis, and then taking live Q&A. And I can remember well, one of the first ones, we had an hour and a half of Q&A. And we sat there and we answered every single question. And I think that takes some of the guesswork out. I, I hear of organizations, even great organizations, quite frankly, where, um, you know, not to knock some of the C-Corps. The C-Corps have furloughed a lot of associates. I've heard that you know, they're not having weekly communication. And so, so people have who are out on furlough, don't know their status besides just this reinstatement data and, hey, am I going to get laid off between now and then? And so I think that's uh, something that we got out in front of early and has been a game changer. Uh, talked to everyone in the organization every single Friday, as transparent as I possibly can be. And quite frankly, I haven't sugarcoated it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I started in June when the recovery wasn't having as fast, telling people that were furloughed that, I wouldn't blame anyone who is on furlough to actively job search, you know, and actually say, I, I encourage you to do that because eventually we're not going to be able to reinstate everyone. And so I've gotten a lot of really, our glass store rating has gone up by 0.2 in the crisis, even though we've had to lay off a lot of people because they feel like we've been transparent, we've been iterative, and we've been in touch. Now we have also supplemented benefits. Uh, we added a stress management app. Uh, with mm -hmm. Health Tech 360, I've added uh, in our medical renewals that take place, uh, our medical year starts October 1st and goes through September 30th. And with um, the help of United Healthcare, we've added a lot of mental health um, benefits because I do expect kind of PTSD fallout. We're already seeing it at the property level that a lot of my teams are burned out, right? You're running leaner. Working six yeah. days a week, twelve-hour days. You know, you know. Just use the GM for example. GM may work the front desk for a shift and go strip rooms, and then has to do their PL. And so, uh, well, the burden we're asking of our teams is is heavier than ever. And so, I I suspect just like when you go to war, uh, which is I would equate this to, uh, there is unfortunately mental uh, casualties and mm -hmm. and mental damage that's done to a, mm. a lot of folks. And so we're trying to deal with that as best we can uh, with medical benefits, communication. And, you know, I have also found that just simply reaching out to people and saying, hey, how are you? How's your family? Um, and so I actually hold five or six hours a week on my calendar that literally all I'll do is just check in. Right. Um, I think that's really important. So. Yeah, and that's a very consistent theme that the transparency and the clarity, clarity, and not holding anything back, right? Not sugarcoating anything. And and I guess we all need to remember just to pick up the phone and talk to people, which uh, yeah might not come natural to many people or a lot of people, but that's that's the, the critical piece now, right? Well, and I think what I have found, you know, a lot of leaders don't want to give news unless they have news. What mm -hmm. I found is in a time of crisis. People want to hear from you, even if it's the same thing you said last week. It is just it's comforting. And, uh, you know, I hear I've heard people say, well, you know, I don't want to have a weekly communication because not enough change. Or I don't or they're furloughed. I don't know if they're coming back or not. Well, tell them that, you know, right. even go so far to encourage them to job search where other leaders mm -hmm. may take because 
you know, when we ended up having to do some layoffs and I had to lay off several hundred people in August, the response was, well, 60 days ago, you told us to start doing job search. We knew it was coming. Um, and I also looked into Cobra and other thing, you know, so people were planned more versus being surprised. And I think that really um, helps in these times is, you know, the human psyche just uh, does not do well with surprise. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it's well, it allows, allows people to, to, to prepare themselves, right? And allows them to mental, mentally prepare themselves for what might be coming, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what I'm hearing is on one side, you're, you're cautiously optimistic on, the, uh, on the, um, the, the revenue part and the business part. On the other, on the other hand, you're feeling that there's a whole um, kind of uh, un, un, um, kind of untalked uh, wave of potential kind of, um, uh, how would I, I wouldn't say issues, but potential areas of in the in 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 the in the, the people side that um, is going to have an impact on on all of us over the next few months. And I fully agree. I've, I've also within within our company started talking over the last four to six weeks more about. Um, to exactly the same areas, right? And and obviously we've been very fortunate not to have to lay off or cut any pay, but it's the same problem. People working a lot, and people are uh, have to deal with family things and 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 many other things that we all have to deal with, even though they have a job. Um, it's still a lot of stuff going on at the same time. Absolutely critical. Well, great. Um, anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap it up? Uh, these are typically very quick check-ins. So. Yeah, no, I, I think we hit the high points. The only thing I would say is I think we will look back in time. And I think a lot of it, minus the mega group hotels, big convention city center hotels, I think we will look back. I think a lot of owners and operators will highly regret shutting hotels in Q2, because what we found at Remington, we're operating all hotels and we were operating all hotels by June 1st. We are doing better in RevPAR and GOP than all our competitors because the hotel that stays open recovers faster, right? You naturally mm -hmm. pick up business. You know, I picked up dorm business in multiple hotels because we were open. Uh, we picked up uh, medical related COVID response business because we were open. We picked up new airline crews because we were open. So I think the um, the um, the a lot of the hotel closures that happened, um, you know, absent big group hotels, right, with big burn costs, and absent, you know, really onerous union labor operations, taking those two out, I think a lot of the uh, hotel closures, people look back and it was a big mistake. I think those hotels, as they come back online uh, and are starting to now, are not going to ramp as fast. And so right. I think that's um, something that I continue to tout that I'm surprised, quite frankly, that a lot of our competitors have, they shuttered so many hotels for months. And uh, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure there's going to be some research around that, especially with the U.S. in general, having the highest hotel open rate, right? Compared to some hotel in, in Europe, I parts of Europe were completely shut down for yeah. six to eight weeks. Um, yeah. With all well, the hotels. Part of that could be, ordinance law driven, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's definitely markets where, you know, like Key West came out and you couldn't operate hotels until the early June. So you were forced to shut down April, May. So I, I there's exception. Yeah. Uh, so I don't mean to be carte blanche, but 
I think in general, though, I think we'll look back and there'll be a lot of hotel analysis that was done and it was a mistake to shutter certain hotels. So that's yeah, the, the other thing is uh, that I don't want to unwrap today, but maybe in one of the future podcasts is the um, the uh, the impact on profitability going forward. You know, when you're seeing hotel operating with um, some say 10, 15, 20, 30 percent occupancy, which is significantly different than what it was 12 months ago. How more how much more profitable is the industry going to be when business comes back? Right. Is that going to be sustained at some level that all of a sudden hotels can operate at a very different margin than they used to? Um, not something we can we, we, we need to go in today, but it's just a general thought of mine. You know, what is the, the profitability oh, for the industry in the future? That's a good point. Right. So we'll keep that for next time. Yeah. Good. Good. Catching <laughs> up, Klaus. Yeah, thanks for your time and uh, thanks uh, for for sharing always your great insight. I love the love the marathon theme there. I think I'll take that uh, forward as well. Thank you All so right. much. Take care. See you soon. Bye. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you found this episode valuable for your own business circumstances. Check out the show notes linked to the episode. Help more people in the industry find this podcast by sharing and rating, and don't forget to subscribe to the series wherever you listen to it.